0: Welcome to Utopian Horizons. Hello, and welcome to Utopian Horizons, a podcast where I cover a different utopia, dystopia, utopian thinker, or movement in each episode. This is something I mentioned in a Patreon episode, but um, most of you aren't subscribed to that, so you won't have heard it. So um, I recently discovered that there were a few reviews of the podcast that I didn't know existed, I think, because Apple Podcasts like split the, um, like it's split between like American and UK and various other versions somehow. So there were some reviews that, I hadn't seen that i think had been done by americans but anyway um i saw them and they were very nice so uh thank you if you're one of the one of the people that gave me those somebody asked me a question about my name on their their patreon subscriber. so um you'll have heard the answer it's on the iraq plus 100 um patreon episode if you didn't hear that but yeah somebody else asked me about somebody who discovered the podcast through diane Um, which is a great podcast about Twin Peaks, asked me about doing an episode on Final Fantasy X. Um, Yeah, uh, that'd be something of an undertaking. Uh, I don't think I've got the time to do that at the moment, but hey, maybe one day that could happen. Um, And Yeah, I always appreciate suggestions anyway, so thanks for that. Right, this episode is, as you probably would have seen by reading the title, about two films... um, Demolition Man and Predator 2. So these are both films from the early 90s. Demolition Man from 1993, a film that I feel like I watched quite a few times when I was uh, younger for some reason, and Predator 2 from 1990. Demolition Man, a film very obvious why I'd be covering that, Um, a film that kind of starts off in a near future dystopic version of of the current world at the time, and then moves forward into a utopia, or what appears to be a utopia, um, a crime-free, peaceful world, um, very clean and green, and um, perhaps not so obvious why I might be pairing that with Predator 2. Well, that will become obvious once I start speaking to my guest who has paired these films together for for a reason that you'll discover? Um, she is Marianne Katz-Vianne. She uh, recently had a book come out about masculinity in contemporary science fiction cinema. Um, you'll hear us talk a little bit about that when we get to the conversation. And yeah, you'll you'll see why why um, she's uh, pairing these these two films together. Um, I think it's been about a month or maybe slightly longer since the last episode just to say won't be as long until the next one if all goes to plan I will be recording another episode a week from today um as I'm recording this so um yeah I don't know how long it will take me to get them both edited and everything but shouldn't be too long after you've heard this until the next one is out oh um one thing um you might be able to hear um a baby crying at the last like two minutes of I don't know how long it was, like the last five minutes, last couple of minutes of a conversation. Um sorry about that. Uh it's just one of those things um that I, I always try my best to avoid and uh can't can't be helped. Hopefully it's not too annoying for you. Um I've had a new, a few new um Patreon subscribers since last time I recorded as well, so yeah, thank you very much to everyone that's uh, signed up, and those of you who've been sticking with me for a long time as well. Um, I think that's enough for this intro. I hope I haven't forgotten anything. So now I'll leave you with my conversation with Marianne. Joining me now is Marianne Kachverne from the Université de Picardie Jules Verne. Uh, sorry for my pronunciation. Um, thank you very much for joining me, Marianne.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: So um we're going to be talking about two films Demolition Man and Predator 2. Uh you might wonder why we put those together but um hopefully that that will become clear as we go through the conversation. Um I mean partly it's just because I I happened to come across the fact that you uh wrote a, a paper on these two films. So I have to I have to say uh I have to give a shout out to Katie Stone at Cyborg Feminist on Twitter who um puts out very useful threads of the conferences she's at which is how I um came across uh your paper and the ideas you had on this. Um, so your um, your work on these partly comes from uh, a, a book that you've you've recently had come out. Um, do you want to uh, briefly explain what that is for for the listeners?
1: Sure. So I recently published a book uh, entitled "Masculinity in Contemporary Science Fiction Cinema." The subheading is "Cyborgs, Troopers, and Men of the Future." The thesis for the book was um, the idea that science fiction. The science fiction genre can be defined as a genre that seeks to define humanity, that seeks to find out what it is to be human as opposed to, for example, machines or aliens. Mm. Um, And as I was watching science fiction films, I realized that all the humans presented by science fiction tended to be male. So the heroes are human, but they are also male. So this led me to the idea, to the hypothesis that, um, science fiction film does not so much define what it is to be human, but what it is to be a male human being. So that in fact, humanity is always defined in male terms so that it's not about really defining humanity, but about defining masculinity. Mm. And, um, I looked into, um, bibliography on science fiction, and I couldn't really find anything about uh, men, uh, about masculinity in science fiction. There are a few books about gender um, and about women, but not that many about men. So this is where the idea came from.
0: Cool. Well, um, people will get an idea of the kind of kind of arguments that are in this in that book hopefully from um, from this episode and um yeah um check that out if you're if you're uh, interested in, in that so um before we we get into talking about these films i'll just try and give a, a brief synops- synopsis of both of them just for anybody who hasn't seen them or hasn't seen them for a long time so um demolition man um, Is a film starring Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes as John Spartan and Simon Phoenix, respectively. So they are a cop and a criminal. Um, this came out in 1993, by the way. And the film opens in 1996, and there's a confrontation that sees both of them get um, arrested and cryogenically frozen as like a, a prison sentence. Um they both get reanimated in 2032 in a, in a utopian society that's, or a seemingly utopian society that's effectively eliminated crime. And Simon Phoenix, uh, Wesley Snipe's character, has, has been programmed in his sleep to kind of give him, uh, super skills of, um, assassination and hacking and so forth, um, by the, the guy in charge of this society to try and, um, deal with, elements that he wants uh eliminated and john spartan's there to to kind of stop him so that's the kind of basis of of demolition man predator 2 is set in in uh it was released sorry in 1990 and that's set in 1997 so that's got uh danny glover as a cop called mike harrigan and this sees the predator from the original film coming to the city to los angeles specifically um and Predators um, involved in in killings around various drug gangs, and we have Harrigan trying to track down who's doing these killings, and eventually discovering to the predator uh, discovering the predator coming into conflict with the FBI, who are also trying to uh, to um, track the predator, and then we have a a confrontation uh, at the end between the two. So that's um, just a, a rough idea of what the two films are about to uh, provide some context. So. Um, the first thing I wanted to ask you about, um, the theme of urban chaos is very strong in, in both of these films. Um, I think it's quite common in films about, around the time, in fact. And they both open very, very similarly, actually depicting the city as a as a kind of war zone. Um, a predator, we, we get at the beginning screaming, gunfire, a cop car that's been blown up. Um, demolition man we got a burning hollywood sign gunfire again sirens so uh, why do you think this is uh, such a kind of popular motif at the time what what is this about the fact that we've got uh, urban chaos so uh, prominent in both of these films and other films at the time
1: so in the case of demolition man uh, the opening images of fires burning in in buildings and then being surveyed by a helicopter from above. Um, This is a clear visual reference to the Rodney King riots that uh, um, erupted in April 1992. Um, So if... I mean, this was this may have been a long time ago, but these were really the worst riots in U.S. history. Uh, Rodney King was a black motorist who was arrested uh, by LAPD officers um, and who beat him up. And this was caught on video, uh, which led um, to so the video circulating uh, widely in the community. And when the four LAPD officers were um, were cleared by an all white jury, uh, this led to, uh, to massive riots.
0: Mm.
1: So in the case of Demolition Man, um, it's, it's a reference to the media coverage of these riots, uh, especially with aerial shots of, uh, of these fires burning. But of course, I mean, the riots did not erupt out of nowhere. Mm. So tensions had been simmering, uh, for many years, uh, in uh, in Los Angeles, especially in uh, uh, areas like uh, South Central, uh, it's the theme of very many um, uh, films from uh, the early 1990s. You can think of Boys in the Hood, for example, that really focus on on these tensions. Uh, these tensions are also also appear in in music. For example, um, uh, for example, rappers of uh, Public Enemy, all all of these. Uh, Kind of racial tensions and neighborhood tensions were really uh, developing in the 1980s and heightening in the early 1990s. So um, it's not surprising that it should be such a theme in uh, popular culture, including uh, science fiction film.
0: And are these, to you, are these um, explicitly, because in both these films, these This urban chaos um so the, the the gangs that are involved right at the beginning of of the film um they 're colombian, the other gang in the film is african uh simon Felix demolition man is is black, so it seems um these these films in what they're in the, how they 're representing this city as this kind of hellish war zone. Um, there's a scene in particular in, in a police station, which is, it, there's an almost identical scene in, in the first Robocop as well. It's a police station that's hot, look, where well, looks hot, angry. It's overrun. There's everything's just out of control, noise, chaos. All of this is, seems to be, um, attributed to black and immigrant communities by these films. Is, is, is that fair, do you think? Well, not fair in the sense of is that fair for them to do that? I mean, is is that a fair interpretation of what the films are doing?
1: Um, I would argue that Demolition Man uh, is more uh, uh, schematic than uh, Predator Two in that respect. Uh, since uh, Demolition Man, uh, there's, I mean, in Demolition Man, there's a clear division between um, uh, the black foe and the and the white hero. Uh, whereas in Predator Two, what I found interesting. Um, is that blackness circulates uh, in the city. But, I mean, there is ethnic diversity within, uh, among the gangs, as you mentioned. There's a Colombian gang and, and uh, Jamaican gang. But, the, but there's also uh, uh, ethnic diversity among the police force, uh, which is also yeah. quite interesting. Uh, almost all the members of the police force are Latino or black or Latino So I found that quite interesting uh, that we see many black characters in Predator 2 that uh, really embody different models of of blackness and of of black masculinity, whereas Demolition Man is um, in a way more simplistic. uh, And especially Simon Phoenix uh, asks the white mayor to reanimate all of his um, uh, gang members And they're almost all black. Uh, So there's kind of, we're kind of going back to the, to the black brute that was uh, so um, incendiary in birth of a nation. And there's really the reincarnation of the black brute in demolition man.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get on to to talk a bit more about some of the complexities of the way um, race is represented in these films. Cause Obviously, I've read some of the stuff you've written about it, and it, 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 I think it'd be fair to say that you, you, this is a, you think there's a lot of complexity there. It can be read in a lot of different ways. A, a good place to start, actually, it might be helpful if you could explain why. Because when, we, when we're talking about blackness in this film, we're obviously talking about Simon Phoenix. We're obviously talking um, about Mike Harrigan in um, Predator 2. But the, the predator has also been been read before as being representative of blackness, um, and people might wonder, like, why you would th- would be thinking of an alien uh, in that way. You could, so, I mean, maybe if you could start by explaining why we might think of the predator in this film as being representative of blackness. Yes, yeah,
1: so the predator has been read as. Um, as uh, signifying blackness uh, because of uh, his dreadlocks um, and also because of his mouth, which um, uh, resembles the bones that some African tribes, uh, primitive uh, African tribes a long time ago, um, used to wear Mm -hmm. at the nose and the mouth. So um, yes, so the predator has been read as uh, as embodying the black other, especially um, the dreadlocks, the height, uh, the the mouth, and uh, the predator was also played. Uh, I mean, in, obviously, with a costume and a mask by a an African American um, actor, uh, Kevin Peter Hall.
0: You also mentioned um, there's, there's, whenever the the predator appears in this film, we get a kind of African like music that that plays to kind of signal that the predator is about maybe you could explain a bit about the kind of uh, resonances with the voodoo stuff the the ritual element we see in the the film as well.
1: So um, the, when the predator appears, as you said, uh, we hear African-like drumming on on the soundtrack. Uh, The predator also wields um, sophisticated versions of primitive weapons uh, such as spears. And of course, what is, striking uh, in the film is that the predator hangs skins and decapitates his victims, uh, which obviously leaves blood everywhere. And this is why Detective Harrigan uh, at first thinks that uh, uh, these victims are caused by Jamaican gang that practices voodoo. And so the, the predator is assimilated uh, to the Jamaican gang uh, through these voodoo practices or these uh, practices that echo uh, representations of voodoo mm.
0: okay so yeah so sort of having having established that can you talk a bit about how you see race or, or blackness being used in this film uh, in these films both either um, negative elements or, or or positive elements that you see there
1: okay so yes these representations offer both negative and positive representations of blackness. The negative representation appears quite clearly, especially in, in Demolition Man, uh, but also in Predator 2, since uh, both the Predator and Simon Phoenix are embodiments of difference, of, of uh, alien difference. Um, you can see uh, this is quite apparent in in. Um, their bodies, uh, for well, I mean, for the predator, it's it's quite obvious. Um, he is really a signifier of difference. Hmm. Uh, it's quite. I personally um, uh, find striking his fluorescent blood, so which really marks him as as other. Uh, in the case of Simon Phoenix, uh, Simon Phoenix has dyed blonde hair. He also has um, eyes of a different color, uh, which which uh, hint at some monstrous uh kind of difference uh on the part of, of uh, simon phoenix since he is neither completely black nor completely white um so he's in this in between that can uh lead to kind of monstrosity and, and of course the predator too I and mean, is a monster
0: mm. so you, you you also talked about um something i found interesting was was the way you talked about how rage was was being deployed and linked with these characters. So, um, yeah, could you talk a bit about that? Like, what's the what's the uh, significance of, of rage in the, in the way that these characters are being represented?
1: Yes, so um, I drew this idea from an article uh, written by Todd Boyd. Uh, so, a small introduction to the G-Funk era, gangster rap and black masculinity in Los Angeles. And uh, so I quoted... So in, in, in my opinion, uh, the Predator and Simon Fee- Phoenix, I, here I'm quoting Todd Boyd, do much more than simply fulfill the societal stereotypes of the threatening male black. Instead, they deny the white supremacist denigration embodied in the stereotype and reverse the impact to become a true purveyor of an unadulterated black rage. So uh, the Predator and Simon Phoenix embody uh, the stereotype of the threatening male black, but they also uh, use this stereotype to bring black rage to the fore. And what I found striking in Demolition Man is that Wesley Snipes is is a stereotypical embodiment of, of the black buck. Um, but he is the most memorable character in the film, and, uh, I mean, in my opinion, it was also noticed by, by film critics, and he is also part of the film's humor. Um, without Wesley Snipes, uh, the film would, would, not, would not work. He actually brings most of, well, m- perhaps not most of, but at least half of the humor uh, into the film, and he... Uh, his opposition with Spartan played by Sylvester Stallone really structures the film they are uh, equal opponents uh, from beginning to end uh, and so he is one of the what well, he is one of two structuring elements in, in the film
0: yeah I think that, that makes sense because especially um, given so the, this this um, society that's depicted in in Demolition Man, uh, as I mentioned before, is depicted as being de facto crime free, kind of a very um, sterile, boring place. So Wesley Snipes' character is is kind of a, a necessity to be the dysfunction in that in that system. Yeah if you see what I mean? Like, it, it, it's yes. not... Nothing can happen without his character. Um, like, if you imagine... If you imagine John Spartan coming into this, in this society, he wouldn't have anything to do. Like, he only exists as, like, a response to Simon Phoenix. Um, like, Simon, Simon Phoenix is, it gives, gives the film, like, its dynamics. It makes things... He makes things happen. He makes entertaining things happen. So... Yeah, it completely makes sense that what you're saying—that he kind of—he's like the the axis that the film revolves around—and he, he definitely mm-hmm. does become. I think you're right as well that um a lot of people. Like, I remember watching it like a long time ago, like when it when it came out, and my impression was that intentionally or not, like Simon, a lot of people that watched the film felt that Simon Phillips was kind of a cool guy, and yeah,
1: <laughs> definitely.
0: Was it um it, i was this the film that kind of made wesley Snipes a star as well? I don't know, I'm not too familiar with his career
1: um no, I think uh he was already well known okay um but um uh, he i mean definitely playing against Stallone uh re- really uh rose uh raised him to the to the same level of stardom as sylvester Stallone,
0: yeah but um so do you think in him kind of uh stealing the show i guess you could say and being like the the most important force in the film do you think that makes us uh, or inclines us to take his point of view more than we otherwise would do
1: um so what you were arguing that uh, the, that Spartan and um, Phoenix are always, well, are, they're, they're, there's a parallel that keeps being drawn between these two characters um, is very present within the film and is even mentioned by characters within the film. So for example, the, the police captain who declares that John Spartan uh, comes from a dissimilar method of law enforcement and he continues by saying, "I'm not sure he's any different than Simon Phoenix himself." Uh, so, I mean, the film states quite clearly that the the, the two men are um are really parallel figures. Um, yeah, they've got more in they, common
0: with each other than they do any other the, the
1: rest of the society. Hmm. Yes, um, they're both fined constantly for for using foul language, um, and. I think my favorite scene in the film is um, one that also you you mentioned um, in in your notes. The one that uh, where the, the police are sent to capture Simon Phoenix. Uh, one of the policemen is is um, awaiting instructions from a portable computer, uh, and Simon Phoenix uh, uses uh, his skills in in martial arts and uh, kickboxing to um, uh, to eliminate all the police. I mean, just in in one or two kicks, and uh, very easily uh, sends them away. And uh, all of his gestures are accompanying are accompanied by by beat by beatbox cues, uh, which make every kick uh, uh, fully enjoyable. I mean, there's a there's really a, a sense of of uh, joy and of um, um, a sense of excitement brought by. By um, Phoenix, that the rest of the characters do not bring
0: because yeah, Simon Phoenix is enjoying himself when he does exactly. it. Whatever you say, he's exactly. often like making jokes and stuff, so he's having fun.
1: Exactly. So, um, and, and to to go over, um, yes, yeah, so, yeah, sorry. The, the word I was looking for was glee. Mm. <laughs> There's this gleeful violence that we that uh, uh, Phoenix brings to to the San Angeles. Uh, to the San Angeles of, of 2026. Is that 2026? Yes. And so to, to answer your question about uh, point of view, there's a, there's a very interesting scene in uh, Demolition Man where um, the, the mayor comes back to his office uh, and finds Simon Phoenix seated in his chair, And the camera adopts a very interesting point of view since it adopts uh, Phoenix's point of view, uh, looking at the mayor uh, from behind the mayor's table. Uh, Phoenix is sitting in the mayor's chair uh, at the mayor's table and uh, the camera is placed behind uh, Phoenix's chair so that we have, uh, it's a point of view shot. We have the same point of view as uh, Phoenix. We see the mayor uh, far uh, in the background of the shot, uh, in the darkness, whereas uh, Simon Phoenix, uh, well, the, the table is being lit, and so we see uh, Phoenix's shadow, and the mayor is is pushed away. He's, uh, he's really uh, pushed back by the camera into the background so that I, I call this a, a carnivalesque reversal of power uh, since, well, and uh, historically, the carnival was a time when once a year, uh, the poor uh, could um, uh, wear symbols of power, they could wear masks, uh, and and therefore you would not know who was who. Mm. Uh, and so it was a, a moment of gleeful, uh, sometimes gleeful violence, or at least um Yes, uh, joyful um, uh, exaltation where, pe- where social status uh, could be reversed. Mm. And uh, so this is what I, I read in the scene, that uh, we have this reversal of power uh, where Simon Phoenix uh, is sitting in the mayor's chair and can demand a, a drug market, basically, uh, from the mayor who has to, um, yes, who has to satisfy uh, phoenix's d- demands he since he has become the most powerful man in town
0: okay so if we kind of being encouraged perhaps to uh, adopt phoenix's point of view what do you think that point of view is on this society or or the violence or the the kind of racial dynamics at play um
1: yes yeah, so as i mentioned earlier uh, we can see Simon Phoenix as a purveyor of, of black rage. Um, Simon Phoenix, uh, I mean, con- constantly uses uh, assault and looting. Uh, and especially one of the, the, f- the funniest scenes in the film is when he loots a museum, because this is where uh, guns are now stored. Uh, there are no guns in this uh, perfect society, uh, and they now belong to the past, they belong to, to a museum. Mm. And um, and it's it's interesting in the scene how all the the patrons of the museum are white. Uh, they are also feminized uh, since uh, they're uh, wearing long robes, um, and they are and they're feminized because they are afraid. They they leave the museum as soon as um, they hear that something goes wrong. One of the funny moments of the scene is when uh, there's the museum security guard. I'm not sure if he's a security guard or a or a curator, but he's sent in to uh, apprehend Simon Phoenix, uh, and he is not used to this type of violence. So he just uh, asks him, you know, what he's interested in in the <laughs> museum. Uh, and <laughs> Simon Phoenix uses him uh, as weight to destroy a window, to uh, to destroy the glass window that is keeping him from uh, from stealing all these weapons, uh, which I thought was was a very funny moment using the the white curator, uh, to, to access weapons. Um, and of course, I mean, it's also uh, a commentary on, uh, you know, who, who visits museums, uh, still today. if you go to a museum, uh, well, most of the visitors are white middle-class or upper middle-class. Um, and, uh, here we have, uh, kind of a commentary on who visits museums and why. Uh, and the fact that weapons are stored in the, mu- in the museum, um, they are, uh, uh, admired by white, uh, uh, customers or white visitors, uh, who, but who do not know how to use them and, uh, only Phoenix, uh, and then of course Spartan, but Spartan actually does not use, um, uh, many of the gun- many of the museum's guns uh it 's really uh wesley uh Simon Phoenix that stocks up mm. on all the weapons uh, and manages to use to to use one of the futuristic guns that he 's very excited about
0: yeah um just on that thing that you talked about kind of using the the white person to access violence um it's significant as well right the the role that the the mayor plays in this film and like his Mm -hmm. complicity in this
1: yes in demolition man as well as in predator 2 uh, we have figures of authority that are white uh, both actually uh, mayors so the mayor mayor of uh, los angeles in predator 2 and the mayor of san angeles in um, demolition man uh, are both uh, white men uh, older white men and in a way they're both uh, complicit uh, in um, the violence that is um, plaguing uh, Los Angeles, I mean in, in Predator 2, it's more of, uh, it's, it's more uh, an idea of, of flight of white flight since the, the mayor leaves uh, Los Angeles to uh, go vacation in, in Lake Tahoe, uh, leaving the city uh, in, uh, mm. um, to, to deal with uh, heat violence uh, on its own. Um, and, of course, in Demolition Man, it's, it's much more explicit since uh, the mayor himself uh, has uh, organized the um, the defrosting, yeah. let's put it that way, yeah. uh, the defrosting of, of Simon Phoenix, uh, uh, as well as his training uh, while he was uh, uh, frozen, the mayor uh, trained Simon Phoenix uh, in um, access, he gave him access codes to the to the city's network, um, trained him in, in martial arts. Uh, anyway, provided uh, information and training so that Simon Phoenix, once uh, once defrosted, could kill uh, his uh, main political opponent, um, uh, Edgar Friendly, kind of mild terrorist. Uh, <laughs> he's obviously called a terrorist by the mayor but his actions are far from uh the terrorism we know today um they steal food and stuff yeah, yeah. They steal food they spray graffiti on on walls yeah. it's not really uh, well he's a non-violent terrorist um and and so the, the the mayor uh uses simon phoenix to uh destroy his opponent and uh, assert uh Complete supremacy uh, over the city.
0: You've also got the um, in Predator Two as well. You, you mentioned in your paper the the FBI guys as well, who are very very white.
1: Yes, and um, yes, the in Predator Two uh, figures of white authority are so the, the mayor, but also the FBI, who are a team of uh, white of white men seeking to capture the predator in order to um, in order to um, uh, use its sophisticated weaponry and sophisticated technology to appropriate, yes, uh, its sophisticated technology uh, and use it uh, so and use it for uh, the purposes of white authority uh, to maintain uh, so white authority, institutional uh, authority over um, uh, minority criminals.
0: Yeah, so there's an idea in both of these films then that the white establishment is is complicit or responsible even in some ways for this kind of violence that kind of desires it in in some way?
1: Well, they are either um, cowardly and and Mm. do not uh, seek to fight it or uh, entirely complicit um, as the, like the mayor in, um, Mm. in demolition man. Uh, This echoes widespread belief among the African-American community in the, uh, in the, early 1990s, um, that, uh, uh, that white institutions and white authorities uh, were responsible or complicit uh, in uh, the minority violence that was uh, erupting in, in neighborhoods, uh, the idea that um, nothing was, was uh, being done to uh, calm the violence down, or that even, uh, for example, drugs were being uh, imported and, and spread uh with the sanction of of white authorities um, um that goes back so as this, well
0: sorry as this say it goes back as well to um uh like co Pro and stuff where the fbi infiltrated the black panthers and would try and kind of create flashpoints of violence and so on to discredit them, to as discredit well. them. Yeah.
1: yes yes yeah there is definitely a uh yes the idea that uh in Demolition Man, it's quite clear uh, that the mayor is using uh, Simon Phoenix to scare the population uh, so that in, in order to assert his own power. There's a point in which he says, oh, it's working perfectly there. Everybody's uh, frightened of you. Um, and it, it works. Uh, it, it's, it's, he, Simon Phoenix is a pawn in, in the mayor's game. Uh, he's working for him. Um, but what is interesting in, in both films is that, um, yes, another aspect of the complicity of the white establishment is that it also uses violence. Uh, if you think, think of the FBI, um, the FBI wants uh, the, the predator in order to, um, to, to, to be more sophisticatedly violent. Mm. Um and so uh, violence is shared in, in both films. Uh, we saw that uh, Spartan echoes um, uh, Simon Phoenix. They, they both uh, use the same type of violence um, and they are both uh, uh, outsiders in this uh, peaceful society. And in Predator Two, uh, Detective Harrigan, of course, is a police uh, policeman, and he uses violence. Uh, and of course, the the FBI um, seeks to destroy. Well, they seek to, to capture the Predator and um, and well use violence against uh, the Predator in in order to um, to capture him. In a scene that's quite uh, visually striking, since it's set in um, in a um,
0: like a meat- meat packing warehouse. exactly
1: in a meat packing warehouse exactly in a meat packing warehouse uh, that is also um, quite I mean quite bloody um, mm. so with the idea that that the, the predator may use bloody practices echoing voodoo but the FBI uh, is also hunting uh, for is also hunting uh, the predator in a in a bloody environment
0: yeah I guess it's as well worth saying that the predator, as a the kind of mythology behind the predator, is that it's it's drawn to to violence. So this kind of it's kind of an apparition that appears when violence is there already existing. So the the violence has to be there for like the predator to, yeah, the violence escalates and kind of creates the the predator in a sense. So yeah, could be. Could you talk a bit about? What I think, *Demolition Man* in particular, in terms of what it's doing with um, masculinity—I mean, you've mentioned kind of feminization of the um, of the society and the way it's depicted. Um, so, yeah, we've we talked a lot about the, the the way it's representing race, but um, how is kind of masculinity uh, appearing in this film? All
1: right. So, yes. So, in, in *Demolition Man*. Um... Uh, Simon Phoenix embodies the the return of hypermasculinity, and the San Angeles society cannot cope uh, with this hypermasculinity. So, what I call hypermasculinity is uh, uh, masculinity defined by strength, uh, by physical prowess, and uh, here by violence. And so, this means that San Angeles has to man up, literally, mm. uh, to to fight Simon Phoenix, and therefore calls on Sylvester Stallone, who is uh, the embodiment, the apex of hyper-masculinity, especially uh, at when the film was released in, in 93. Uh, there are several references to Rambo uh, in, in Demolition Man, uh, and Rambo really is the icon of, of hyper-masculinity, mm. so therefore they have to call in Rambo yeah. uh, in order to fight uh, Simon Phoenix, uh, and therefore, there's this idea that uh, a feminized society cannot deal with violence, uh, and that in a way, violence is uh, inherent to to society. It cannot be completely eliminated, uh, and therefore, um, uh, one should be wary of the feminization of society, uh, since it, it it will not be able to to face. Uh, violent eruptions. Uh, hypermasculinity. Masculinity is necessary uh, in order to uh, be able to meet the challenges uh, that uh, violence will necessarily uh, pose. And the this, this, the return of of masculinity and the the kind of denigration of femininity is uh, very clear at the end of uh, Demolition Man, uh, which is a. Uh, Hollywood endings are, are always a disappointment. So Demolition Man is, is no, is no exception. Uh, so at the end of, of Demolition Man, uh, well, Simon Phoenix, uh, is killed. Um, and John Spartan gathers all the men, uh, that we've seen previously. Um, so we, uh, the mayor has also been killed, but his assistant is there, the police captain, uh, Edgar Friendly, and Edgar Friendly's, uh, terrorists well semi-terrorist friends um and uh the, in this shot all the all the the men in the all the characters in the foreground are male uh, there are a few women but they're uh, kind of in the background uh and is what is striking really in this ending is that uh lenina huxley so um john spartan's partner played by sandra bullock uh she's been um uh, uh, a focal point of the film. Yeah, she's uh, pretty
0: much the only kind of competent police officer exactly. in the in the society. Like she, exactly. she's the only, she's the only one who kind of springs into action when something happens. The others just like don't know what to do.
1: Exactly. And there is a fight scene where we see her uh, kick uh, um, one of Simon Fiennes' associates and she manages to, to knock him out. So she is a, a competent fighter, a competent police officer. She shoots a gun uh, to everybody's surprise, including her own. But still, she manages to, to kill uh, the bad guy. Um, and uh, to thank her for saving his life, uh, John Spartan knocks her out. And knocks her out of the last fight, so that happens without her. And she reappears after the fight uh, to actually thank uh, Spartan for knocking her out, for um, yes, for, for keeping her from fighting. Mm. Uh, basically, yes, uh, accepting uh, her inferior status and the fact that basically John Spartan thinks that she's not capable of fighting mm. with him and defeating. Uh, the the arch criminals. Um, so this last scene is really disappointing since uh, all women are excluded, including the the main one of the main characters in the film. And there is uh, a denigration of of fe- femininity or feminization uh, with uh, Edgar Friendly uh, wanting to party, eat meat, drink alcohol, and making fun of the mayor's assistant. Uh, for his feminized haircut and his robes, he 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 tells him that he needs to get get out of his this kimono and do something about his hair. Uh, so there's this idea that uh, John Spartan has remasculinized uh, the San Angeles society uh, for you know, everyone's benefit, uh, apart from probably Lubina Huxley's.
0: Mm. It, it was interesting to me how this film uh obviously quite old now, but feels very representative of of the kind of uh, right wing talking points at the moment in terms of how how they will represent kind of modern society as being feminized they often obviously attack women as um, when they're when they're kind of making these these points the, the whole idea like you mentioned of that Edgar friendly wants to Drink and eat meat and smoke, and all these things are banned in in the society, which it kind of taps into these ideas of the the nanny state, which which is very popular with the with the right. This kind of the whole thing of the 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 over top over the top politeness that's in the society, and you're not allowed Mm -hmm. to swear. You know, they they have this you know. There's this idea that oh, everybody's too sensitive nowadays, and you, you you can't say anything without getting in trouble it, it feels very um yeah very conservative in that respect i think
1: yes um yes well definitely uh the film makes fun of political correctness uh, that's really a theme uh throughout the film i mean it is a very common uh criticism this criticism of political correctness which is not only a conservative talking point i mean it's um, it's also, it's. I feel that it's actually spreading through society. This backlash against uh, political correctness mm. um, that would be, you know, too polite and too um, that, yes, that would be too sanitized. Uh, we definitely have a, a sanitized uh, society in um, in Demolition Man, and it it did strike me that this that the society the San Angeles society looks actually quite pleasant um yeah. i mean it, it's denigrated by the film but actually i mean if, if you think about it um i would be happy to live in a crime-free society uh where people are polite to each other um and yeah, you everything's
0: know. very green and yes functions well
1: <laughs> sunny yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah and uh I like Pizza Hut, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, I, I wanted to sort of just end on on that theme as you've mentioned Pizza Hut. Um, I know th- this isn't something. Uh, I mean, uh, this isn't something that was uh, in your in your paper or, or anything, but it was something that, that struck me about the film. So I don't, I don't know if you've if you've got anything you'd like to say about this this subject or not. But the demolition man made me think of, of this whole idea of the. The, the end of history. And it seemed to be in some ways about that consciously or not. What the warden says to Huxley in the film, things don't happen anymore. And she's, she's criticized for wanting something to, to happen, which kind of this ties in with ideas that, that, um, Frederick Jameson had about postmodernity as, as a kind of place where, uh, there's no history and no sense of history. Um, obviously, tying into Fukuyama's idea of the end of history, and yeah, I, I wonder—did did you see it in, in some way as, as being like a, a, a satire of like kind of the late capitalism or, or something like that?
1: Well, I hadn't thought about it before um, you mentioned this, but it's a very, very interesting idea, uh, especially since the the early '90s are really kind of this the the time. Well, I mean, I I can't remember exactly when um, when uh, I can't remember when he published his book, but
0: 1992.
1: Okay, yeah. So it's yeah. Really uh, uh, around sorry, that time. Uh, 1992
0: book and the essay was 1989.
1: Okay, yeah. So the 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 book, The End of History, in 1992, um, really I mean ties in with what you you were saying and the release of uh, both. Uh, well predator two a little earlier and demolition man the the year after um and we're really at a time when uh the united states what it's the end of the cold war uh the united states is now in a dominant position uh and there's the idea that well uh there will be no more wars uh since the the united states uh now um polices the whole world uh and the yes the the idea that we are moving towards a a pacified society where um nothing will happen
0: um so yeah um it, in the same way i think that we, you're kind of talking about the way with the representation of race kind of goes in different directions both kind of reactionary and more kind of positive i i think that the Demolition Man does that with this as well because at sometimes, so you mentioned um, Pizza Hut. So all the restaurants in the world of Demolition Man are Pizza Hut, which feels like when you think of ideas of, of like capitalism as creating like this homogenous kind of sprawling, you know, like every city looks the same because every city is just like a, a franchise like reproduced. Um, when they they listen to, on the radio, they listen to, what they call mini-songs, which are just mm-hmm. adverts. So they sing, like, the, I'm a hot dog song. So they have... Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, when Jameson talks about um, sort of uh, um, post-modernity, he's talking often about culture, kind of being unable to reproduce anything new. And here we just have capitalisms just become culture. So in, in that way, it often feels quite uh, critical of that situation. But at the same time, there's no... There's no kind of politics proper in this film. Like it hints towards politics in the sense that Phoenix is there to stop a revolution. And we have these these people who want to be free, who live underground, uh, who are led by Edgar Friendly. But their idea of freedom, as we mentioned, is like eating meat and (laughs) driving cars and stuff (laughs) like that. There's no actual... Like politics there, and we and we have at, at the end the basically they decide that what needs to happen is the police need to get a little dirtier, and the poor need to get a little cleaner and yeah. that's kind of <laughs> and, and and that kind of for me feels um so they kind of end up at this place of an end of history where, as you mentioned, there's like no politics and no like everybody just has to come into the middle, which is mm-hmm. and then we can just all be the same and then. And of course, the, the conclusion that the film ends up with, in in, in a way, if you're talking about uh, it being a feminized society, the the idea is it kind of just needs to go back to being more masculine. So it's mm-hmm. just going back to that moment. So, yeah, um, I thought that was interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, but, I mean, I've always been disappointed by Hollywood endings. And so... And usually, I mean, they really lend themselves to criticism because most Hollywood endings uh, do uh, tend towards the middle and try to reconcile everyone with a kind of apoliticized solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, with, as, the, as years have gone by, I feel that perhaps we give too much importance to, to, to the ending, um, that in fact... Uh, what we remember from films is often not the ending. Uh, if you if you watch a film, very often people will have forgotten the end. Uh, yeah. I mean, this happens to me all the time, that I, I remember a film quite well, but I have completely forgotten the ending, especially if the ending is completely sanitized. Um, I've just forgotten. Um, and so for me, what was interesting in Demolition Man is that really the moments I found most striking are the moments with Wesley Snipes uh, where he's upending this this sanitized white society and and voicing some of the rage uh, in a gleeful way uh, that that is constantly being repressed uh, by a society that does not want to see violence and that that does not want to address um, some of the challenges uh, that, that violence uh, openly, uh, raises, you know, what, what happens to those who do not want to live, uh, the way, uh, dominant society tells them to, uh, what happens to those who are not part of the elite, who are not part of, uh, of the powerful. Um, and so I feel that, yes, that even though the ending is disappointing, I mean, Wesley Snipes does provide color, uh, and excitement, uh, uh, in, in an otherwise, uh, rather bland, um, yes, in, in a film that otherwise would be quite bland.
0: Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, I, I think you're right about the endings as well. And yeah, the, the, I've, I've had, uh, I'm sure I've done plenty of films on the podcast that have as you say, had a disappointing ending, but that doesn't stop them from having plenty of, uh, interesting elements in there as well. And, um, I often find those kind of contradictions that you inevitably get in, uh, in popular culture quite uh, interesting in, in, in and of themselves well um thank you very much for coming on, Marianne thank uh, you very much for inviting me that 's okay and uh yeah as a, as you mentioned the, the the book if people would like to read more on this subject is masculinity in contemporary science fiction cinema, cyborgs, troopers, and other men of the future um, Is there anything else you wanted to uh mention i don 't know um, Have you' got Twitter to plug or anything or anything else. <laughs>
1: Um, no, just to say that uh, there's a whole chapter in the book on race uh, that, uh, so fo- that includes the, the analysis of, of Demolition and Predator 2, but also includes uh, other films, uh, especially the, the, the last part of the chapter is about the Will Smith um, uh, ca- uh, characters in, in science fiction films. So there's a whole chapter on, on race um, and masculinity.
0: Cool. Thank you so that is the end of my conversation with marianne thank you as ever for listening as i mentioned at the beginning should be back with another episode pretty soon if you're a patreon subscriber there'll be a couple of things coming there as well I'll be back with one, uh, on, I'll be back with a Patreon episode on, uh, capitalist realism again soon. And I'm also working on something a little bigger, um, reminiscent of the utopia and music episode I did, um, way back when. So if you enjoyed that, look forward to something very similar, um, which should be coming out in not to distant future and um, if you'd like to get access to any of that stuff all the Patreon episodes i've done and the ones to come then go to patreon.com utopian horizons reviews of the podcast would also be very much appreciated wherever you are whatever you're listening to this on um if you want to get in touch with me utopian horizons pod at gmail.com utopian horizons on twitter uh, same on facebook Yeah, um, I'm going to stop talking now so that I can export this episode and release it for you to listen to. I'll be back again soon. Cheers. Bye bye.